Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. It's uh, it's fall, folks. That's right. The temperature is plummeting, and we're uh, headed into our winter reality. But uh, some things never change here, and that is the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. We have our full panel this week, which means... Rebecca Lynch is with us. She's joining us via phone. Rebecca's with the Wisconsin Working Families Party. Rebecca, welcome. Good to be here, Matt. It's great to have you. Thanks for joining us all the way from Mississippi. And Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action, is with us. Robert, good to see you. A good day, and maybe winter is coming for certain other national figures. Yes, Robert is uh, definitely uh, previewing our topic, one of our topics. We are going to talk about Trump. And uh, in particular, we will talk about Ron Johnson becoming leading Trump advocate. Um, But we are going to start the show by talking about what's been going on in the Capitol this week around a a power grab, just to be blunt, a power grab by the Republicans um, to try and have unlimited shots at overriding of vetoes uh, from the governor. We're also going to talk a little bit. Governor Evers signed a really important executive order declaring Indigenous Peoples Day in Wisconsin uh, uh, instead of Columbus Day. Uh, Sensenbrenner, we're going to talk a little bit about him. We're doing something around prescription drugs. We'll tell you more about that later in the show. Uh, but let's let's dive in here. And um, this news broke on Tuesday. In fact, I was. It was Tuesday afternoon. I was driving home, and State Representative Robin Vining called me and was very upset about what the Republicans had done earlier that day. And that was, they had announced with lots of media fanfare that they were going to change, flip their position on allowing State Representative Jimmy Anderson to be able to call in uh, to um, hearings or meetings, and. Um, and which, of course, Representative Voss had had a very famous fight with him over um, and did not talk about or certainly tried to bury what was really in the bill, and that was that there was going to be the ability for them to bring up a veto override vote at any time and bring it up multiple times, uh, which, of course, is... <laughs> A horrendous power grab. Uh, but uh, first of all, I appreciate Representative Vining calling and alerting us to this, but she was extremely concerned. And about a few hours later, the media started to pick up on it. But uh, this is a big deal. Um, and it it's this is in a long line here of efforts to basically change the rules in order to make it more uh, more to the Republicans' ability to do whatever they want. Uh, Rebecca, your th- your thoughts. Obviously, I know, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us uh, from Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. Um, no, I mean, I, my thoughts echo yours. I think um, there's been a pretty strong, understandably strong response from folks in the Democratic Party. And I'm just looking at Gordon Hintz and the release that he put out. But I thought that this quote is like particularly apt where he says today, Republicans once again prove they are incapable of doing the right thing without including an irresponsible power grab. And it seems like every single time they might like edge slightly in the direction of doing something that it's their job to do. 
they have to sneak in some kind of power grab to take you know power away from Governor Tony Evers or somehow just like continue to amass power for their illegitimate gerrymandered majority. So um, this is like every I feel like every time we have this conversation, we're like, this is so brazen. They don't even care what people think. But like yet again, is incredibly brazen. I mean, I think it's like really despicable to to, you know, Representative Anderson, you know, deserves full ADA um you know, uh, accommodations to be able to represent his constituents who have elected him. And the idea that these would be paired is, is truly outrageous, but like to make it like, basically, I, I could only imagine, right. If this does not go through in some way that they'll say, well, Democrats weren't, weren't in favor of giving representative Anderson the, the accommodations that they've been saying he needs all sessions. So I don't know. It's, it's pretty despicable. Do you have a sense from, I know that, you know, uh, Democrats are like actively caucusing now, but does anyone have a sense about what the prognosis is for this moving forward? So I actually exchanged some messages with Representative Vining this morning. Uh, she was headed to caucus. They're in caucus right now. They're going to go to the floor at 10 o'clock. Um, she was not at all encouraged. She said this is very, very bad. She was um, in, she's a very optimistic person, but she was very dispirited. Um, and felt that this was, like, even beyond them. Uh, I would just say she obviously wasn't there for Act 10, but nonetheless, um, yeah, this is this is really, really uh, awful. And for folks who don't understand, what this means is, and so, for example, we have a three-vote, uh, three the Democrats have three votes that keep them from override, where if, say... A couple of people were gone or Representative Anderson couldn't. And by the way, they have some strictures on when and how he would have to call in mm-hmm. um, that if they suddenly someone were to leave or had to go, say there was a doctor's appointment and the Democrats got within a point or where they could override them, they could pull up a vote and have a vote on something that already had gone down when they attempted to override it. And they could do this repeatedly, which, of course, is just it's a horrendous process, Robert. Well, there's another element to that. Another part of the rules change is to give the Democrats no role in how long debates are, which means the override debate could be called for five minutes. Exactly. When people are at lunch. I mean, literally, right? Or, I mean, so then they just pick their spot and wait. And so it's highly undemocratic. People know when there's going to be an override vote and can prepare for it, right? So this is an attempt, is seriously an attempt uh, to, to have end around. And it also, which we knew already, reflects their strategy. They actually want to try to get override-proof majorities and take back full control of state government in this next election, which tells us even if we don't think we can, in these gerrymandered maps, take back the, either House, Senate's more likely, the Assembly's pretty much impossible, we need to pick up seats, not only to set up for taking it back later, but to prevent this override threat, because they're going to apply it to redistricting. That's why they want the override so, so badly, so they can rig the maps and make them undemocratic uh, for another 10 years. But here's the thing, right? This is highly revealing about not only who Robin Voss is, but I'm going to tell you who the modern right-wing version of the Republican Party is. Remember, this is the Republican Party that's taken over by the far right. Okay, it's not it's not your granddaddy's Republican Party, which had plenty of conservatives, but it wasn't quite like this. It's a new strain of thing that their politicians they know how it looks to mess around with uh, Representative Anderson and his legitimate you know request for accommodation this way, but they still can't help themselves. 
which tells you what it's revealing as to who they really are and what burning inferno it is underneath of anger that anyone can tell Robin Voss and his colleagues anything that he has to do. I mean, it very, it's, a, it's an authoritarian personality, which is at the heart of this ideology. And it's why, and you know, Democrats, a lot, a lot of them get this, that there are some Democrats who still think they're going to do bipartisan stuff with these folks. And that, that's one of Joe Biden's major problems as he came up in the era where he got things done and he's committed to this. And brilliant people like Bill Clinton and Barack Obama thought they'd be able to work the other side. And they need you need a real analysis of who the other side is. And in this moment when Democrats are really angry, all of them, and revved up, think about that on everything else you're trying to do. And realize that you're dealing with someone, if they're, if they're working to accommodate you, it's, it's a power grab, generally speaking. And they may be nice and to have lunch with or, or nice to their families, but I'm just telling you, it's the ideology. This is a worldview that needs to be defeated. And I want to just bring back Voss, right? Like a lot of, because sometimes I'll hear this, especially when we're traveling, like, oh, Representative Rob Swearingen or whatever, he's a decent guy or whatever. Nice. These folks aren't in charge, right? It's Voss and the leadership that is making these decisions. And they've elected and put in place people who will do exactly what they're told, right? They don't, they're not running the show. This is clearly a leadership it's power not grab. just happenstance that Voss is in control. And the idea that, oh, we just got unlucky with the personality of Robin Voss, and it's not something deeper to the core. Remember, I know we're going to get to Ron Johnson later. Uh, remember that this is a party that is still standing with Trump, by and large. And it doesn't matter. And, and reversing previous positions, the number of, of tapes of what they said around impeachment under Clinton, what they say now, are just stunning because it's not about that, right? It's about power, period. Rebecca? Yeah, can we, can we actually turn turn the conversation over to something more positive coming out of Madison this week? Because I just don't even know what else there is to say about, you know, it's yet again another power grab. Yet again, they have amassed a tremendous amount of power through, you know, illegitimate redistricting. It's all, like, very bleak. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I appreciate the frame, you know, that you mentioned. I, I think it was Robert, um, one of you mentioned about, well, we've just got to try to win at the ballot box in spite of the redistricting. Um, and in particular, it seems like maybe the Senate is more winnable than the House. But I mean, this is this is the way it's been since before Governor Evers came into office. And this is the way it's going to be, at least until the election. Um, and it's all pretty depressing. And so I don't know if we can we can at some point talk about the things that are happening in spite of them. But that might help. Uh, turn my mood around a little bit. Uh, so here's one positive thing. Uh, the treatment of Representative Jimmy Anderson is revealing who they actually are to more people. That's the positive. With that, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Uh, before the break, we are talking about the horrendous power grab going on in the Capitol today as we record. Uh, the leaders in the Assembly are going to be voting on legislation that would allow them unlimited attempts to override a veto. Um, we are going to, however, Rebecca made a plea for some positive information coming out of Madison. Robert, Robert brought up a little one, but I've got one more before. 
we uh, turn to Ron Johnson. And that is uh, this week, Governor Evers signed an executive order declaring Indigenous Peoples Day in Wisconsin, which um, to replace Columbus Day, which uh, obviously this has been there's been a move over a number of years towards this. This is huge news. And um, it's just uh, especially given (laughs) the rest of the news. uh, Kudos to the governor for leading on this, Rebecca. It's really a step in it's a step in the right direction, I think, for a long time uh, in this state and obviously across the nation throughout the history of our nation. You know, the uh, peoples who are indigenous to this country have been like treated poorly. And, you know, certainly during the last gubernatorial administration, uh, there were many ways in which, you know, peoples who are indigenous to this country, um, you know, into our state were not treated um, in a manner according with the respect that they deserve and, like, should have according to, like, the laws and treaties um, that exist. But, you know, there's a lot that's been moving in the right direction, and uh, whether it's, like, with the DNR, with water, with, you know, representation, um, I know that there are pe- folks from indigenous nations who are serving in um, the governor's office, I think of the lieutenant governor's office. So this is, like, one of many things that's a step in the right direction. And to me is, like, um, when I'm feeling down about the legislature and and all of the blockages that we have there, remembering how important and powerful it is that we won the governor's race and that we have Tony Evers, a public educator and someone who is committed to representing and respecting all people in the state as governor. There's so much that he can do through executive order. There's so much he can do just by example. And so this to me is a, a really it's a bright spot. Um, and something that's like so important. It's not unimportant. It's really, really important um, for people across the state. And I was really excited to see it. I don't know, Robert, what do you think? Well, not to be negative, but that is unless they have override proof majorities, then they can they can countermand executive orders. But um, and they might want to countermand this one. But let me just add to what Rebecca is saying. And that is, look, indigenous people are still uh not not having their many of their fundamental rights respected and observed. A lot of the rights in the trees that were negotiated are still not being followed. And I'll throw out one example. There are more environmental examples that are public right now. But in healthcare, there is a straight out commitment that the Bureau of Indian Affairs is supposed to provide guaranteed health care to every 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 for every Native American who's a member of a of an established tribe uh, as defined and we're not they're not doing it okay so the healthcare system there is is a mess and the and literally the the rates of various uh, diseases and poor health and, and death is very high uh, both on and 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 off tribal land and so there's a lot to do, so the, hopefully having an Indigenous Peoples Day will also focus us on what on the work we still have to do to make everyone in our country full and equal members of our society. Yeah, and I, you know, obviously there's there are a number of positive things that are happening. We've had Trish Zunker on, who's been working uh, crisscrossing the state trying to uh, see if we can't get these horrific um, uh, logos and mascots retired. Um, also, on the upside, there is a very good chance Trisha may run for Congress uh, in that open Sean Duffy seat. She would be an amazing breath of fresh air uh, to run for that seat. And speaking of making sure that we uh, get more indigenous voices um, 
recognized and in uh, in Congress would be exciting. So just, I mean, this it was really important for Evers to do this. And I'll just say as someone who does our social media, is by it, it was extraordinarily shared. People were very excited about this. And it's to what you said, Rebecca, the idea, a lot of comments about, I'm just really happy we have a governor who, who has a heart, who actually cares and sees what's going on and is moving us in the right direction. Robert? And just quickly before we move on, did, did, did you all see, Matt and Rebecca, that the Atlanta Braves took a baby step? That they're not going to do the tomahawk chalk, uh, uh, chop when there's a Native American player on either team. I'd Hopefully that's a step towards not doing it at all, but uh, as they lost in the playoffs... Uh, to the to the hated Cardinals, uh, there won't be any more tomahawk chalks at this se- uh, chops this season. All right, we are going to turn to Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson. This was quite possibly one of the worst weeks a senator could have. Um, he was having a bad week uh, last week, um, and then he decided it would be a good idea to go on Meet the Press, Robert. That didn't go out. That didn't work out so well for uh, Senator Johnson. Can I uh, let me before push a little <laughs> bit on the on uh, not your frame, Matt, but the media frame. The media frame's making the most of the huge fight with Chuck Todd on on Face the Nation, which I happen to have on Sunday morning. Uh, but the reason it even happened, in part, is because Ron Johnson was actually involved in taking trips to UK, Ukraine yes. with, with a, a Democrat senator, Senator Murphy, I believe. And he literally was surprised the military wasn't moving and went to Trump and asked him why wasn't it moving and was told that it's not, that, that it's not held up uh, for any nefarious reason, but you can't tell anyone. You can't talk to anyone, which, of course, is highly mysterious. So Ron Johnson already made himself a witness, okay, yeah. in the impeachment trial, which is also a criminal affair, too, because uh, actual laws are violated here as well as, you know, high crimes and misdemeanors uh, in this. And then apparently he got some for, for talking out of school because he is not – he is – uh, shall we say, not the sharpest instrument in the tool in the tool shed. He's a dullard. Yeah, he literally uh, went and tried to correct it, and that was by going on Face the Nation when most Republicans were ducking on this Sunday because they have a little consistent thing to say in their new revelations every day, and then sounded like a, well... A, a, as as a as a confused and baffled person who is really in way over his head. Yeah, it was it was quite bad. Rebecca, did you get a chance to see this or track any of this? I did get a chance in my travels to to carve some time out to watch that clip from Meet the Press. It was really remarkable, and you know, I think something in Chuck Todd must have broke because, like, you don't often see um, see necessarily that kind of exchange. Uh, it's really remarkable. I, and for folks who haven't read it, you know, John Nichols has a good piece in the nation, uh, kind of recapping, uh, what happened with our, our least favorite Senator. Um, and I, I, I'll just read like a piece from it. He says, wild eyed Senator Ron Johnson is desperate to help the president. Instead, he's confirmed a lot of what the whistleblower said and made Biden look good. So I, I don't know about that last part, but like, certainly it's been like a wild ride to watch. Um, one of the things that I want to talk about in regards to this, though, is actually not about Senator Ron Johnson, but about the Trump administration and family response to this. And in particular, I don't know if either of you saw, but 
Eric Trump um, was on Fox and was talking about Sunday show hosts, including Meet the Press, asking tough questions to Ron Johnson and also Jim Jordan. And he he said to the Fox anchors about this, like, quote unquote, tough questions, which, by the way, I don't think the questions were that tough. <laughs> I was say like, hey, were... you said... <laughs> hey, you said this. Why'd you say that? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But anyway, um, but it, it's his response is quite chilling. What Eric Trump said was, quote, it's dangerous to this country. Again, what he's talking about, the it here, our Sunday show host just asking questions of our elected officials. He said, it's dangerous to this country. The media, in doing that, they pose a danger to this nation. So, you know, this is this is where we're at. Um, it's we have I mean, just to recap, not I don't want to sound like Rachel Maddow. You know, we're not a cable news show here at Battleground, Wisconsin, but I don't know how else to put this. It sounds dramatic, but just stating the truth is it sounds that way. I mean, we have corruption at the highest level of government. We have an administration and like an entrenched political family that have, you know, throughout this administration, but certainly we're going to see it get incredibly aggressive now, made the press their enemy. Um, and all all to the ends of, you know, when we talk about corruption, it's not just I mean, obviously, there's emoluments clause. There's all this other stuff that to unpack and numerous, I think, 30 separate concurrent lawsuits like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, what we're talking about specifically in this instance is asking a foreign power in a quid pro quo to get dirt on a political opponent. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that when I was growing up and I was learning about the world, I only heard about from other countries and not like Europe, right? Like other authoritarian countries. And it's just chilling. And I, I just wanted to highlight this response to uh, the, the Eric Trump reaction to this Ron Johnson clip that we're talking about, because like that to me is even more news than Ron Johnson putting his foot in his mouth, um, though that is fun and close to home. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I know we're close to break, but I would say before we get to the, the analysis of the impeachment issue, which maybe we can talk about that at the other end, I would say you need to, to, if you speak Trump, you need to understand that there's no distinction between Trump and the nation, and therefore a threat to Trump is a threat to the nation. So that's my interpretation of the culture of the Trumps as expressed by Eric Trump. So that's why it makes sense to them. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk more about Senator Johnson on the other side. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are talking about the wild week or two that uh, Senator Ron Johnson has had, um, and that uh, included going on uh, uh, Meet the Press and having to answer really tough questions, as Rebecca was pointing out, like, so why did you wince? <laughs> when you, why did you wince when you heard what Trump was doing in Ukraine? And he just went nuts. He went nuts having to answer just a simple question. Um, it is worth pointing out before I get back to Robert. I know you had more you wanted to say on this. Um, the public is is paying attention, and it is not good for for President Trump. The polling numbers on impeachment are continuing to move uh, in the direction of support for uh, impeachment. Uh, the latest one of the new polls that came out this week had impeachment support up at 58 percent. Um, and we're down to 40% are solidly against it, which, by the way, we're getting close to getting down to that, that 
third, you know, we talk about that 33 to 40% of the country that is really conservative. Um, uh, and, and so we're starting to get there. So it is getting very dangerous for Trump. People are paying attention. And this uh, absolutely strange talk from Ron Johnson, I don't think is fooling anyone, Robert. Well, and, you know, there's so many polls coming out. Matt and I haven't talked about it. I believe, I could be wrong, that the polls that are showing high 50s are the favor of the inquiry, but that there is now a new poll Over showing 51% though for 51 removing for straight removal, yes. and that's shocking. It's yep. straight removal, not just inquiry. And these, right, yeah, yeah. I, think that, I think the 58 poll included yeah. people that say he should be impeached but not removed from office. But they're all, he's over yeah. 50% now for impeach and remove from office, which so is not So there are different levels. There's in, have impeachment inquiry, there's impeach, which leads to the Senate, and then there's actual removal, which is Senate conviction. So there are three levels of possible. Most people... Most people probably only know about the first and the, and the third, is my guess, in the general public. But anyway, just about this, we're going to get tons and tons of disinformation, and they haven't quite figured it out. The Biden conspiracy isn't working super well, though I think they don't have much else, so they've got to double down. But I just want to say a couple things about impeachment itself. Uh, I think uh, Rebecca or Matt mentioned the quid pro quo. There doesn't need to be a quid pro quo at all for this. And that was partly because of the inappropriate investigation that, that, that uh, Mueller did. Mueller made his investigation all about current federal statute on what a criminal conspiracy was, right? And that's why there had to be this actual plan between both sides. Uh, and, but he also believed that you can't, you can't uh, charge a president with a crime. That was the big thing. So why would you do an analysis of a, of, of a federal statute right? Uh, when in fact, it, it's irrelevant. When in fact, what was needed, the, re, the, the basically the remedy is impeachment. And impeachment is, impeachment doesn't require any particular law. The reason being that an authoritarian president could have the laws changed and then they wouldn't be guilty of anything. Impeachment is about something fundamental. It's about the question of whether you grossly abused your power, the power of your office or not. And the reason, independent, I agree with Rebecca totally about emoluments clauses and many of other other impeachable things, because that's in the Constitution, right? And is and is also he's dead to rights on that as well. But in this case, he is using the power of the presidency, the most powerful office in the world, to intervene in an election on his own behalf against an opponent. That would distort and destroy democracy. You couldn't have a functioning republic if literally a president could use the immense powers of the presidential office and of their foreign policy role, which is far more unchecked than their domestic policy role because of, because of what's developed since World War II in the imperial presidency and the huge military commitments we have around the world. And so this is, regardless of what laws they change, these are clearly impeachable offenses. And the other thing I would say is, is that um, the founders put it in the lower house because that's closest to the people. That's their language. And so it is supposed to be influenced by where public opinion is because there's no way for members of the House of Representatives not to be influenced by... They didn't create some separate tribunal of wise men and women, right? They, they had our popular elected representatives. It's the Senate, which wasn't even directly elected then, that's supposed to be the more you know, separated body, but it's not, and they didn't anticipate the party, the partisan divides we have today, which make it much harder, as we all know. Rebecca, you are going to get the final say on Senator Johnson. 
just that I don't think this is the end of the story. <laughs> so let's I don't see. Either. Let's, oh. Yeah, I mean, I imagine he's going to keep talking until someone makes him stop. But, uh, you know, I think, I, honestly, you know, Ron Johnson floundering here is just the beginning of folks floundering. I think that we're, gonna, it's, we're in for a wild ride. With this he may be subpoenaed so. to testify in the inquiry. Well, that's where I wanted to go. I actually think Johnson's put himself in the center of this because of his comments and and. And his inside knowledge, his apparently. knowledge of what he had, right, and that he came out and started talking about it. Yeah, I what you just said there at the end, Rebecca. I really, I, I think we're starting to head in that direction. And I have been someone who has felt this wasn't going to go anywhere, um, but I, we're starting to see movement that is maybe irreversible. I hope. I hope. Um, and the, the, we just have to see, we got to start to see other Republican senators start to waver more because we got to get to 60 in the Senate. And so that's, that's what we got to keep watching. And I think the public opinion movement is, is critical for that to happen. These folks really got to feel that they're on the Titanic and that they're all going to go down with this guy. And the minute they sense that that tipping point occurs, it, it, you're going to see the jumping very, and, very fast. And, and Rebecca, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the vision you pitched there is happening and, in process. And Matt, as you've pointed out, the, the betrayal of the Kurds, and they're being bombed right now as we record this, uh, is really undermined him with the Republicans he needs to, uh, to stay in office. Yeah, no. I, in fact, I was driving back from Eau Claire, Wisconsin last night, and uh, the right-wing talk... There, it was a mixed bag, and a lot of it was military people calling up appalled at what what he's doing with the Kurds and telling stories. You had folks coming on telling stories of their personal interactions working with the Kurds and how the Kurds were, um, they described them as some of the most um, intelligent fighters, committed, right? Like all the kind of stuff I don't. I can't validate any of this, but these are conservatives. Um, and so when he starts to, it starts to lose them and their confidence and they start to shake about whether they can trust this guy, that's, that, that could be uh, what undoes a lot of this uh, from his base. Uh, Lindsey Graham seemed to be uh, indicating at that, and he's been one of his uh, staunchest supporters. Rebecca, any other final thoughts? Nope. I think, uh, you know, okay. let's just wait and see what happens. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I want to spend a little bit of time mentioning um, one other thing related to Trump before we uh, go to break. And just it has to do with what's been going on around uh, his trade war uh, and in particularly its impact on manufacturing. We've talked a lot about what it's done on the dairy industry. We spent some time last week talking about it. But um you know, he basically ran on saying he would do things to bring back manufacturing, right? And this was a critical part of his electoral base to try to, quote, get um, uh, folks who felt insecure around that and certainly work in manufacturing. Well, you know, the economists have very clear, uh, 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 what do you call it, very clear standards for what it means when we hit a recession, right, in terms of the amount of months where you have uh, decline. We have now hit that. Manufacturing is officially in recession. Robert. Well, this does go to the heart of Trump's political appeal because he won this election, not in the popular vote, but in the Electoral College in three manufacturing states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And 
he sold a bill of goods, that he was going to restore manufacturing. And if he was telling the truth, right, he was kind of half right in the sense that, uh, and Democrats have strongly participated in this, the global trading regime that was created under NAFTA and GATT under Bill Clinton and certainly supported by Barack Obama, but also by both Bushes, right, uh, literally has hollowed out our manufacturing sector. It is not improved under Trump whatsoever because the only way to improve it, well, first of all, you got to stop the bleeding, which means changing the overall trade regime so we're not pitting worker against worker and allowing capital, big multinational corporations, to move willy-nilly wherever you know they can find the cheapest labor. And by the way, a lot of the countries that seemed to benefit at first then didn't because then they ditched them for the next uh, cheapest place. That's partly the problem in Mexico that a lot of the jobs they originally got out of NAFTA then went somewhere else because of the global trading regime. And so they were left with nothing but the folks that come in from the rural areas and left unemployed, right, which is horrendous. And so this is horrible for workers, great for people who have capital and want to invest it and for big multinational corporations. And Trump's false bill of goods is, of course, that he's unwilling to actually take on the fundamental structure of the system. The one thing he's been willing to do, oddly enough, that he's been quote-unquote principled on is trying to break down China's kind of predatory approach to the global economy. And he has been more truthful on that. It's just when you put in the broader context, it's actually um, harmful economically. And he's probably going to cut and run at some point because the Chinese go, wait him out, and he's going to get too desperate coming close to an election. We are going to have to quick take a break. When we come back on the other end, Rebecca is going to update us on the situation in Milwaukee that we've been talking about around our police cooperating with ICE. With that, we're going to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin or Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are going to follow up on a conversation that um, we've been having. Uh, we had, I think it was two weeks ago, with um, Isaiah Holmes from the Wisconsin Examiner uh, about how local police departments are interacting with ICE or cooperating with ICE. And we discussed a very high-profile um, situation here in Milwaukee uh, that has uh, sparked outrage. And uh, last Thursday, uh, there was a meeting in Milwaukee, a public hearing, and uh, it was a packed house uh, around this. Rebecca, give our let's give our listeners an update. I know you were there. Yeah, I, I was there. Thanks so much. I, I really did want to talk about this. So as listeners know, we tape on Thursday mornings. And last Thursday evening, there was a regular hearing of Mayor Barrett's Fire and Police Commission, where uh, they had regularly scheduled business. And a number of folks in the community came out to urge them to reschedule the prior week's canceled committee. So just to recap, folks, there was supposed to be in Milwaukee a committee meeting of the Fire and Police Commission to review the SOP, the Standards and Operating Procedures of the Milwaukee Police Department, and specifically to insert in there a non-collaboration with ICE. Now, we've heard for a long time that they don't work together, but like it's not written in stone. And as, as listeners will remember who heard the last show, uh, we saw video evidence of a family being separated in Milwaukee in our community by ICE and the Milwaukee PD. The Milwaukee PD were very active participants in that really traumatic uh, event. And if folks haven't seen that video, I urge you to go uh, to the page of Voces de la Frontera. You can see the video. I urge you to watch the whole thing. Um, the end is particularly really heart-wrenching. And then if you have... Um, 
the means and the willingness. There's a GoFundMe for the family to help with defense, but also to provide this family with uh, three daughters. The wife and three daughters have been separated from their their father. So, um, you know, please check that out. But there was supposed to be this committee hearing. Committee hearing is canceled. Last week was the regular full fire police commission meeting. We all went to testify. I was one of the people who testified. There were a number of people from VOSAs, members of the Dela Cruz family. There were people from the Jewish community who came out in large numbers. Um, Angela Lang from Black Leaders Organizing for Community is just person after person after person going up against this commission that was like largely not emotive. It was a really strange experience for me. We were talking about pretty emotional and pretty heavy stuff and you got no reaction from the commissioners and bureaucrats that you were talking to with maybe one or two exceptions. And uh, that lack of uh, humanity and reaction has translated into a lack of reaction now. So there was someone on the commission who had put forward to reschedule the hearing, but they were shot down. I think there'll be escalating actions, but it's something I really wanted to talk about because I know not everyone who listens to the show is from Milwaukee, but there certainly are a number of people. And even outside Milwaukee, this is an issue across our state um, and across the nation. And so I, I just wanted to to make sure folks knew the latest and we're keeping abreast because it's pretty outrageous. And as um, listeners uh, locally may know, Mayor Barrett has pointed these members of the Fire Police Commission. And so, you know, making sure that not only the commission members, but also the mayor and the larger public are aware of what's happening and are involved, I think is really important. Yeah, this issue, while it may be directly happening in Milwaukee, is absolutely applies to every community across the state. Um, and I know we have listeners in their communities who are trying to you know, make their communities a safe place for uh, community members uh, who are being harassed by ICE. And so what what is happening in Milwaukee is important, and certainly um, folks in other communities who, who believe that their departments are also coordinating and ought not be, there's a lot of lessons to be had, and we really hope that uh, this this is spurred uh, across the state for folks to really investigate because that's what it's going to take. Um, these communities are under tremendous pressure, right, financially to comply. And so it requires the citizens and people in the community to stand up and, and demand uh, that their leaders not back down, not... Um, you know, essentially collaborate with ICE. So a shout out to everyone who did, who was able to get out, but we're going to stay on this and continue to talk about this topic. Robert, I know you may have some thoughts. I mean, Rebecca's been way closer to it. So thank you what you're doing, Rebecca. I can just add that about a year and a half ago, an extremely highly placed official in the city of Milwaukee told me that they are desperate not to lose any federal grants that have allowed them to expand the number of police officers and are and therefore were going to do everything they could to finesse it. In other words, to uh, not have Trump cut them off, but not cooperate. And I do think we have to ask ourselves, and I don't know what the current thinking is. I've not talked to anyone over there uh, during this controversy. I want to be really clear, but that's pr- quite possibly still the case, is... Do we really prioritize having more police officers to basically the safety of of of, of fellow members of our community around this? And to this, it does. The, the deportations are family separation. Everyone. So if people are appalled by what they've heard at the border, they should be appalled by this as well. These are folks that are part of our community that are just hauled off by, uh, by you know, by by, by a militarized. Uh, service of the federal government. And I, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think that 
And in fact, I think we have far too much policing and not enough of all the things that would prevent crime in the first place. Yeah, this 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 topic dovetails with uh, a whole, another strand of work that's been going on in this community, uh, Liberate Milwaukee, around trying to move $25 million out of the police department and into things that help prevent violence and the things that end up ending up in the criminal justice system. And so these two things are directly connected. And so, yeah, I think what is being exposed here is that the city has been trying to do this dance, and it's it, and that's why they don't have a specific standard operating procedure, and it's why what was going on last Thursday is so damn important. And um, so we'll continue to follow this, talk about it. I will put, we'll have a link to the video and also to the donation page on the website. Um, absolutely right what Robert said about separations. If you're appalled by what happens about migrants who just came across the border, how do you feel about somebody who's been here for 15 years contributing greats and and they they separated them while they were taking their kids to school it is if you're not moved and appalled by that like nothing's nothing's gonna move you and let me push on this the idea that the right-wing view that if you've broken that one law that you have no rights by the way Donald Trump can break all the laws he wants, so can corporate leaders. Uh, but the think about the rights of those kids who are, in most cases, uh, American citizens. They have a right to their dad and mom? Ask yourself that. They're citizens. So, folks, I want to underscore what Rebecca said. Please go check it out. Watch this. Um, it's very important and act. We, uh, before we go, I want to talk about two things real quickly. Um, this week... There's been a, there's a real push nationally around prescription drugs. Uh, Robert has talked about the legislation that um, Pelosi, uh, 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 Representative Pelosi, I guess we could, she's the leader. Speaker. Speaker, right? I got to get everything right. Speaker Pelosi has. Uh, it's actually quite bold and robust, but clearly it's not moving with the Republicans. Uh, uh, uh Congressman Gwen Moore uh, held a listening session to draw attention to this. And today, I know a number of our members are going to be showing up at the uh, Jim Sensenbrenner Town Hall to draw attention to this. But it's a huge issue. It's going to be a big issue in the election. Um, and uh, clearly the Republicans have no plan for it. So uh, shout out to everyone who is going to attend that Sensenbrenner hearing. But uh, folks, please contact your Congress folks. Let them know they need to support action on uh, prescription drug prices. And it's a very strong bill. We won't get into it now, but Speaker Pelosi's bill is a really, really strong bill. And it does all the things Trump has promised to do. Of course, we know that he won't actually do anything that helps average people when it comes to a any tension with the powers that be, which would be the pharmaceutical industry. He'll just say he's going to. Yeah, and uh, the final thing I want to mention, um, we have talked about uh, People's Action, our national network, which is... Um, doing four forums around the country with presidential candidates. The first forum was a couple weeks ago in Iowa. It was outstanding. We had over 50, uh, 40 members uh, attend, and a number of them asked questions. The second forum is this Sunday. Uh, it is going to be uh, bright and early in the morning. Uh, it's uh, in New Hampshire, and so it's going to be from 8 o'clock until 1230 Uh, here in Wisconsin. We will Facebook Live it on Citizen Action's page, so um, you can go there and watch it. You could also uh, go sign up. We'll have a link where you can sign up and get a a, a video stream also of the event. But uh, there will be two more uh, the following week, on the following Sunday uh, from 4 uh, until, I think, 7.30 in Detroit, Michigan, and then uh, Saturday the 26th, 
um, I think it, I want to say it's like 10 to 2 um, Saturday morning, 10 to 2 on the 26th. That one is in Nevada. But this is, uh, this is unlike most of the forums and debates you're going to hear. It is people who are directly impacted by these issues uh, that we all care deeply about uh, telling their stories and asking questions of these presidential candidates. And it's on our platform, our long-term vision. Uh, and so we really want you to listen, watch these. And if you're a Citizen Action member, we are going to be having a survey that's going to go out sometime next week. Uh, and it'll be out for a number of uh, at least two to three weeks that allow you to vote uh, who you would like to see uh, if People's Action were to make a presidential presidential endorsement. So if you're a Citizen Action member, we hope you participate in that. But with that, we have got to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. Um, we will be back next week. We want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge. Uh, we should probably thank him every week, but we often don't. He makes this show happen every week, and so we very much appreciate it. We will see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.